0: You are live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. Today, we have a lot to talk about on today's program. Cybersecurity Month here in October, we've got an expert from the city of Surrey, believe it or not, that are going to give us some tips on how to protect yourself and your family. It is so important. We're so digitally connected now. We have to be aware of things like our social identity, protecting our privacy, and making sure that we don't fall victim to things like ransomware and online scams. We'll also be... uh, chatting with the folks over at Oregon Scientific about smart globes. These are fantastic, interactive, digital, augmented reality globes that you can buy for your kids or anyone in your family for this holiday season. They can learn stuff, but even more than that, they're a lot of fun. You'll have to stay tuned to hear more about that as well. And of course, we'll have app of the week at the end of the program with Christina Stoyanova, who is my guest host today. Thanks for joining me in studio.
1: Thanks for having me, Mike.
0: Let's talk about some of the news uh, stories. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, This is to do with ride sharing services uh, like Uber and Lyft, which one day I hope comes to Vancouver.
1: It's never going to happen.
0: It has to. It just has to, (laughs) for the love of God.
1: I'm losing hope here.
0: I'm not. I'm not. If you're listening, uh, any level of government, uh, whether that's Gregor uh, or the NDP government, please, please get this going. Uh, but they might not want to after they hear this story. Um, so Uber and Lyft, uh, they're in a lot of major cities, and they've done study uh, over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, and they surveyed more than 4,000 people in Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and San Francisco, and unfortunately found out that uh, because of the popularity of these ride-sharing services, it uh, potentially is increasing traffic in these big cities.
1: Right, because people are not using transit as much.
0: Yeah, so instead of uh, trips that uh, could have been done by public transit or bicycle or just you know the old-fashioned walking, uh, these these services are so convenient that people are using them instead. And uh, in a lot of these cities, they say they they've actually seen a six percent drop in public transit use.
1: See, now that's that's just too bad because I think the goal here was to make things more efficient. And now we're actually making them less efficient.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder if that'll all equal out uh, in in the long run, but you know, there's no question if you've ever used an Uber or a Lyft, it's, it is just so convenient and it just works so well. You know, I, I know the taxi industry, I'm not very happy with it. Uh, you know, some cases struggling against it, but uh, you know, this is uh, a, a shift in technology. Uh, and just overall business models that uh, they have to find a way to compete with. Uh, you know, I use it in Toronto all the time when I go there, and it it's just amazing. It just makes life so much easier. But I can see how some people would want to use that instead of public transit.
1: You know what, though, speaking of Toronto, it's an interesting phenomenon because I found that in Toronto, it's no longer less expensive to take an Uber. It's almost the same as taking a taxi because, of course, Toronto's rolled in all of their um, you know taxes and fees, so I wonder if uh, price increases like that will help this adjust itself so that there is uh, fewer demand or less demand for Ubers.
0: Yeah, you, you never know. I, I remember when it first came out in Toronto, it was it was cheap, like it was at least half the price of a taxi. And, and like you said, as you know, they get more regulated, more taxes are being put on the the fare itself. Uh, I know in Toronto, again, the, the fare prices have increased dramatically. Another interesting thing in the news here, uh, I know you've used Airbnb, I have as well, uh, something, again, we use when we're traveling uh, like to Toronto and other cities. Uh, very convenient. Uh, apparently, Airbnb will be opening its own branded apartment building in Florida next year.
1: I wonder if that means that they're going to take uh, those really appealing, highly lit photos that make everything look 10 times more amazing than it actually is in real life. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's no question on some of these Airbnb <laughs> photos that you see, like the place, you know, on the web anyway, looks amazing. Uh, and it's because they actually have a service that'll come in and take photos of your place.
1: Yes, it's called Creative Lighting. It <laughs> lies. It
0: lies. <laughs> Sometimes it does. So this is an interesting building. They're uh, doing it in conjunction with a uh, uh, an, a developer down in Florida uh, and it's I think called the Guard Development Group. These apartments will be called Nito, powered by Airbnb. 300 unit building and it'll be built and owned by the developer. It's supposed to open in 2018. Uh, it's got all sorts of uh, connected stuff like keyless entry, secure storage options, Uh, And the tenants will be able to sublet their apartments through Airbnb for up to 180 days each year.
1: Interesting.
0: But here's the other thing. Uh, In the short-term rentals through Airbnb, uh, of course, Airbnb takes their cut, which is about 3%. uh, But the developer, NewGuard, would take 25%.
1: Oh my goodness. Is this a good deal?
0: I don't know. I guess for some people, they, they might think. So, you know, and that's the challenge in a lot of these cities now, the bylaws are being cracked down on uh, that uh, prevent a lot of homeowners uh, from actually Airbnb-ing their their places.
1: Sure, they're preventing homeowners from doing this, but homeowners are still doing it. There are so many creative ways to do this. Many Airbnb listings don't have... Precise addresses on them for this reason, because the owner is not making it known that they're Airbnb their place because normally it's prohibited either by strata or by bylaws.
0: Be interesting to see what happens. When we come back from the break, we're gonna be talking cybersecurity and how you can protect yourself and your family. Stay tuned. You are live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. Today we still have lots more to talk about. In our program, some uh, gift ideas for the holiday seasons for the uh, the kids out there and the uh, young at heart. We'll also be getting uh, App of the Week later on in the program with Christina uh, again. And uh, we'll be talking about the headphone jack in smartphones. It's starting to disappear. What's up with that? Right now, though, I want to talk a little more serious. It's uh, Cybersecurity Awareness, Awareness Month uh, in October, uh, and uh, the city of Surrey in British Columbia is launching a campaign and... Uh, It's uh, quite fascinating that a a city is actually taking the lead on this. On the line right now, we've uh, got uh, David uh, Izzard, uh, Manager of Architecture Cybersecurity Services. Thanks for joining us, David. Hey, thanks for having me. So I I did not know a city has a a, a chief of cybersecurity. (laughs) Is this something unique?
2: I don't think it's unique. I think a number of the large municipalities around the province do have somebody responsible for cybersecurity, who, you know, and have an interest not just in uh, cybersecurity in terms of protecting the organization, but also in terms of
0: protecting citizens. So what are you guys doing in, in your city for our October and in general?
2: Well, we have a, a public outreach program that we're doing as part of our, our public safety strategy, actually. We see uh cybersecurity, specifically cybercrime is really a public safety issue. Uh and so for the the last uh seven or eight months we've had uh, a public outreach program where we've actually gone out to the community at community events and spoken with individuals and uh, providing them advice in terms of protecting their security. Uh and in terms of October for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we have a, a couple of public events like that. Um we're doing of course the radio ads to with just quick tips uh to help protect uh you know individuals from from cybercrime as well as uh, a number of resources that we have available both both online uh, and in print form at all of our rec centers and libraries where an individual can come in and, and if they have questions or concerns about uh, cybersecurity, they can grab one of those resources. They can even talk to one of our librarians who've received uh, some specialized training in cybersecurity. Uh, really, uh, the intent is to, to try to raise public awareness on how people can protect themselves.
0: Well, let's start uh, about uh, protecting yourself from online scams. What are some tips you can give our listeners there?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing that we see is, is a lot of scams come through via either email or through social media posts. So, so really our general advice is, you know, if there's a, If there's a link that comes across in an email or, or is on social media, we really want to avoid clicking that link. Often what it actually says in the link, the, the click here will take you to a a website that, where they're really, it's a fake website that they're just trying to solicit, uh, in personal information. A very common one would be an email that you get from your bank, for example, that says your account has been compromised, please you know, log in and, and reset your password. And that, act, that link that they send you actually takes you to uh, a fake bank site where they can steal your credentials. So really we want individuals to, to not click on links in social media posts or email and also not open attachments, um, yeah, especially if, even if it's coming from somebody that, that you know if you're not expecting it, their account could have been compromised. So you really want to double check to make sure that that, that attachment is actually legitimate by reaching out to that person and making sure that they actually sent it to you.
0: Yeah, it really is amazing uh, how many of these bank emails I get. You know, not only from my bank that are obviously uh, bogus, uh, but every other bank <laughs> as well that I, <laughs> I I don't bank with. But you know, we're also seeing these things from like PayPal and Apple, all these big companies. Uh, you know, Costco, Walmart. You know, please enter in your uh, username and password. Uh, you know, because there's been a security breach. Uh, it's it's a load of bunk. Uh, don't do it. Right.
2: Uh, that's exactly right. And and, and what's interesting is uh, uh, recently we're actually seeing. Uh, you know, an email that would usually be followed up by a text or a text followed up by a phone call, uh, which has a, a tendency for, for us as individuals to to feel that there's some sort of legitimacy if somebody has reached out through through another mechanism than just email. Um, and so we're seeing actually quite a rise in that as well. So, so really treat everything suspiciously if you can, unless you're expecting it.
0: Let's talk about protecting your social identity. Uh, you know, we're all using... Uh, Uh, You know, these uh, online social sites, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook would be the big one. Uh, What are some things that we should be careful of and and look for? Well,
2: I think first and foremost, really limiting what you share online. A lot of information that we may think is relatively harmless um, can actually be used by uh, uh, a malicious individual to either impersonate us um, to our friends and our family, um, or really just in terms of data gathering and, and data mining, um, and, to really, and to sell that information. In addition, we have a tendency to put a lot more in our public profile than really what we should be. So we will want to limit that public profile as much as we can. And then, of course, Use those privacy settings, they're there for for a reason. They actually do a pretty good job at protecting your privacy if you use them. You want to dial those up to as high as they can possibly be in order to protect your 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 personal profile online.
0: yeah, it's funny. I, I remember when Facebook you know was first becoming popular. I set up my profile, and you know it asked for your uh, your phone number and your birth date and everything and I put all of that in, and then you know it wasn't until a few weeks later I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's way too much information.
2: It, yeah, it really is. Um, it, I, I, there's really no reason to put your birth date up there. Um, it, you know, that's, a, that's one of those kind of sensitive identifiers that's actually used by a lot of organizations. So I would limit uh, that as much as possible. Uh, and to be honest, really protect that to your account as well. Um, you know, once once if somebody gets a hold of your account and they impersonate you and they make a post on your behalf, there's it's a- pretty much out there forever. It's very difficult to take down. So, so really protecting that, your, your social media account, is, should be like a top priority priority.
0: Do you think Kids are more in tune with this than the adults, uh, or do we all need to be educated on it?
2: I think we all need to be educated. I think it's I think it's different depending on the age range. Um, kids have a tendency to to share a lot more; they're a lot more trusting, uh, and they've you know they've grown up with the technology more so than than say somebody of uh, you know of my ilk. You know, a lot of a lot of folks, I think, you know, baby boomers and my generation X, we kind of grew up not really trusting technology. Um, we've we fall victim um, to scams very easily, but but there's a lack of trust there. I think with the younger generations, there's a lot more trust in the technology and, and with the online persona. And unfortunately, they have a habit as well of sharing too much information and putting a little bit too much trust into these services.
0: Ransomware is another uh, big thing we hear about all the time now. And uh, I think uh, a lot of folks just think it happens to, you know, big companies and hospitals and uh, you know, government places, but uh, it it affects everyone.
2: It, yeah, it really does. In fact, it, it looks it it appears to be coming after individuals more and more. Uh, it's really easy for, for a cyber criminal to do a ransomware attack. And, and for those folks who, who don't really understand what a ransomware attack is, it, it really is fairly simple. Either a cyber criminal gets a hold of your data and either threatens to disclose it. So maybe it's something sensitive like a medical test or, uh, um, a compromising picture or whatnot. Or it could be, you know, pictures of your family or whatnot that they actually have and now they're going to encrypt to prevent you from accessing them. And then they just hold it, uh, really ransom, uh, and it, for a small fee. And most, individuals will wind up paying that. It. So it's, it's very lucrative for the cyber criminal. It's very easy to do. But again, it really gets back to the opening of attachments and clicking on links. Those are the two primary, uh, we call them vectors, uh, that a ransomware attack will occur. If somebody sends you an email with either uh, an attachment that's got malware in it or has a link to a website that will force your browser to download malware. So if you, if you don't click on those links, or at least avoid them as much as possible, if you reduce the number of times you're opening attachments you're not expecting, you're going to significantly reduce your chances of falling victims to ransomware.
0: Do you recommend people actually paying the ransom if they get caught in this? <laughs> uh, uh,
2: to be honest, it's, it is really tough uh, to, to uh, once you've fallen victim to ransomware, unless you keep an offline backup. Um, many people do um, pay the ransom. I, I can't recommend to pay it or not to pay it. I think that's an individual choice. Um, I know that you know the federal government, Public Safety Canada specifically, uh, recommends do not pay the ransom because it just reinforces the, the 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 behavior of the cyber criminals. But at the end of the day, it's I think it's a personal choice that you have to make. And I think I want to say the best strategy is to to avoid becoming a victim.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that really uh, you know, like you said. Backup, always have a backup of uh, your laptop or uh, computer, Uh, you know, whether that's on an external hard drive or even better, uh, a cloud service that's automatically backing up uh, your, your hard drive every day.
2: Yeah, I, I'm actually a big supporter of, of using cloud services. They are actually very secure. I mean, those, those organizations, I'll use Apple as an example, they, they literally spend millions of dollars uh, protecting uh, your information um, much more than you can as an individual. So I, I, my preference actually is to leverage a cloud service where possible. Um, but if not, definitely having, you know, like a, a USB hard drive that you back your computer up to once a week. And then, of course, make sure it's not connected to your computer. Otherwise, that could become infected as well.
0: Well, I mean, and that's uh, the important point here, if you do have an external backup, uh, and even better yet, the cloud backup, if you do get hit uh, by ransomware, um, you can basically just not pay it and, you know, reset your entire computer and you'll have all that uh, information ready to go again.
2: That's right. Yes. Which is, and it's really easy too. I mean, it's the the one thing I'll give credit to to, to you know Apple again or, or Microsoft or any of these online backup services. They've actually made it really easy to do too.
0: Let's talk about children and texting. This is uh, I think uh, something that a lot of parents worry about.
2: Yeah, and, and I think they should. I mean, kids are given phones now, or much much earlier than certainly in in, in my day. And uh, again, they're very trusting, and so they're they're often you know they're online. Um, it's it's not just texting, it's also, you know, messaging and whatnot, and there are, are certain things that they need to, you know, parents should be looking out for, um, you know, certain types of, of um, I, I guess, prompts from individuals, um, certain uh, lines, if you would, um, that like meeting in real life, for example, uh, there are things that parents should really honestly look out for. It's tough to do when your kids get older, because of course, you know, you, you have a a kid who's 16, 17. Chances of them giving your phone to put on like the parental controls.
0: <laughs> not a chance.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably not going to happen. Um, but certainly, you know, talking to your kids about uh, about texting, texting safely. Talking to your kids about being online safe. You know, and it, it really is the same kind of thing that you know we had when we were kids. Is don't talk to strangers. That, that advice applies online as well. If you're on an online forum or you're on Facebook, don't accept friend requests from individuals uh, you don't know. Don't accept or respond to texts from people you don't know. Certainly don't agree to meet in real life uh, for someone you don't know. These are the things we definitely want to avoid.
0: Uh, where can people find out more information uh, to protect themselves?
2: Yeah, uh, They can certainly go to our website, uh, surrey.ca slash online. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh, information available there. We also have links to the federal public safety site, getcybersafe.ca, which goes uh, quite a bit further than we do, of course. Um, and uh, there's also, if you know, your listeners are interested, we do have a quiz online where, where individuals can test their cyber safety. Um, it's like about a 12 to 13 question quiz. Um, and actually, by going through that process, they can also enter to win a, a, a gift card to Guilford Town Centre.
0: Thanks again for joining us, David. Thank you very much. When we come back from the break still a lot more tech to talk here on Get Connected including headphone jacks disappearing on our smartphones. What's next? We'll also be talking with the folks over at Oregon Scientific about Oregon Scientific about smart globes, a fantastic gift idea for uh you know the kids and the young at heart uh, in your life back after this. You are back with Get Connected. We've uh, got uh An important tech topic to talk about right now, Uh, on the line I've got my friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us Brian.
3: Hi Mike, happy to be here.
0: So uh, hugely important, Uh, Apple and uh, now even Google uh, are killing the headphone jack uh, in all their new phones. We've seen it with Apple with the iPhone 7 and now Google with the Pixels. Uh, Is this the way it's all going? You think all the other manufacturers will follow suit?
3: Now that both of these major tech giants, really the kings of the smartphone world, aside from Samsung, are doing it, I'm really worried that it is the way of the future and that other engineers will just sort of be uh, the trend jumpers, jump on that bandwagon until the headphone jack, which I really think is a huge mistake. You know, this, this is one that's near and dear to my heart. I use my headphones in my smartphone every day, Mike, in fact, I'm using it right now.
0: <laughs> but, you know, the technology for the headphone jack, it is super old. Is it not time to uh, put it out to pasture?
3: No, it's not, because it still works great, and it's such an easy-to-use piece of technology. I mean, what could be better? You you want to listen to your music. You know, maybe you're listening to Get Connected on your smartphone. It, grab your earbuds off of the coffee table, you plug, jam it into the headphone jack, and there you go. There's no connections to make. There's no nothing to sync. You don't have to sift through some weird menu to make it work. And earbuds are cheap, so you can just have like 10 of them you know, in your random bags or drawers around your apartment or office, and you just grab them when you need them, and and you're good to go. So I, I think we're going to lose out when we can't use wired headphones with our smartphones anymore.
0: Well, Brian, uh, I hear the world's going wireless. Apple's argument is that, you know, a lot of users now have Bluetooth or wireless uh, headphones, and, uh, you know, that is soon becoming the, the majority of the headphones and earbuds out there.
3: Right. So I've tried the Bluetooth route I have, and, uh, you know, in some situations um, you might even say that a wireless set of headphones is better. Like if you're jogging or something like that, you don't want a wire getting in the way necessarily. But I just find it is not reliable enough. You get skipping audio. Sometimes the headphones don't connect. And then sometimes you find out that you forgot to charge those headphones. And they don't work, so now now you're sitting on the subway for an hour without any music to listen to, which is just a sad story. You know, I had a wired headset; just works every time, no no charge required.
0: Okay, you know, in in defense of your position, there, I, I was on uh, an airplane uh, recently, and my Bluetooth headset uh, battery died, and I went into my bag to get my you know my wired earbuds, and 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 realized that I have an iPhone seven, and they would not fit.
3: Exactly. And it, they won't let you use those wireless headphones when you're descending, uh, you know, going in for the landing. But if you have a pair of wired earbuds, you can get away with using that uh, on your flight it, the whole time, even while you're going in for a landing.
0: Are you in danger of becoming a grumpy old man, Brian?
3: Yeah, it might be going in that direction. You know, it's, <laughs> it's totally possible, Mike, that three years from now we'll all be using, like, USB-C Headphones, And I'll just have collected uh, five of those, five pairs of USB-C headphones somehow. And I won't really think twice about uh, the fact that I lost my auxiliary jack or my 35 millimeter <laughs> audio jack. But I just think that, you know, Apple and Google, it sort of feels like they're looking for uh, some way that they can say they're moving design and technology forward. Without really paying attention to what users want and what the better user experience actually is. I think they're, you know, getting a little bit high and mighty, standing up there and telling users what we need and what we should want instead of just listening to what people really do want. You know, um, there was a the Yahoo Finance survey just conducted over the summer and it was like 70% or three quarters of people somewhere in that range uh, that said they really didn't want to lose the headphone jack from their smartphone. So if that's what people want, just give it to them.
0: Talking with Brian Jackson from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us, Brian. And uh, I'm I'm going to remind you in two years uh, about this conversation when you are listening to your Bluetooth wireless uh, headphones.
3: Okay, fair enough, Mike. I look forward to that. (laughs) When we come back from
0: the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned here with Get Connected. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Gaggerbo here in studio. Still a lot of tech to talk today. I want to talk about some uh, cool uh, technology, especially for uh, kids and the kids in all of us. On the line right now, I've got Henry Winlock from Oregon Scientific. Thanks for joining us, Henry.
4: Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Wanted to uh, get you on the program. Uh, Recently, uh, on our TV uh, show, uh, we uh, shot a segment about uh, one of your smart globes. And, uh, uh, you know, if if you're older, you probably know what uh, a globe is. Uh, You know, these uh, are things that we had when we were kids to uh, check out all the different countries and and continents. But you've kind of uh, given it uh, an updated uh, flavor for uh, uh, today's kids and uh, kids at heart.
4: Yeah, we, uh, we took what we've been doing with the Smart Globes, um, and the new thing now is with the whole augmented reality, um, made it fun and made it educational, and it seems to be doing uh, really well for us. Let's
0: talk about that. Uh, on our program, we uh, talk uh, about augmented reality and some of the different applications for that. Uh, you know, We've talked about IKEA and how you can do furniture shopping in your home. Uh, tell, tell the listeners how it works with the Smart Globe.
4: So, our Smart Globe, it's um, designed uh, to pick up by the, the phone's camera or the smart mobile device's camera. Uh, so, when it um, uses a phone and then you put it onto the app there, the app actually brings the uh, item to life. Um, it uses all kinds of different software recognition. Like I said, it uses the camera. So, it tells it certain cues, and when it picks up on that cue, it just tells the app to bring that actual part Two: life. Um, so as you've seen on our smart globe, uh, when you go to certain parts of the country, we have dinosaurs that are roaming the earth. We have animals that are eating or walking around. We also have landmarks in different weather.
0: I wish I had this when I was a kid. I mean, it is, it is almost magical when you, you hold up that smartphone uh, and through the app there you can see, for example, like you said, dinosaurs uh, right on the globe.
4: Yeah, it's, it's actually really neat. Uh, we've actually had augmented reality in the works for uh, a couple years now. Uh, we launched our um, Globes this year, uh, as you guys received one of our first samples that, that went out there. Um, and now we're actually really excited to see that Apple has been a big adopter of, uh, of the AR, of the augmented reality. With their recent iOS 11, like you see with the IKEA app, um, they're really, really pushing this augmented reality. It's really cool. Um, like you said, the dinosaurs roaming the earth. Uh, with our app, you can also take the uh, take the dinosaur and scale it, and then uh, take a picture with your kids, like a little T Rex standing next to them. <laughs> uh,
0: tell us about. Uh, you've also got uh, the globes with uh, the smart pen as well.
4: Yeah. So we have uh, our new globe lineup. We have uh, three different augmented reality globes. Um, Two of them uh, use a pen. Uh, our base unit, uh, which is the SG268R, uh, that uses a connected pen. Um, that's sort of our entry. Actually, it's our mid-level globe uh, now because uh, we have a new entry-level globe for this year. Uh, so it uses a connected pen. All of the information is stored into the unit itself. So the really cool thing is um, you stick a couple batteries into there, and then uh, your kids can take the globe anywhere with them. Um, Our highest model, which I think you guys covered on your show there, which is our SG338R, it's a wireless pen, uh, a Bluetooth pen. Um, All the information is stored into that little micro SD there. So you can constantly update the information as we're updating the information. So, you know, as we get new leaders of the world, uh, new fun facts about the world, the changes with the world, uh, we update all that information, and then you can go online and update that. And it just uh, uses, I believe, a couple AA batteries um so same thing you can just stick a couple batteries in there and then you know if you go on a long road trip your kids can take along the globe and play with it in the car
0: what was really cool too i mean that that is fun in itself just learning about all the countries having the you know the smart pen uh, tell you all about that you can split the globe open as well
4: yeah uh that's new for us this year i believe it's patent pending for us we're the first ones to uh make a globe that splits open in half. Um, On one half of the globe, we have the Earth's inner core. Uh, Same thing with the uh, Augmented Reality app. You stick the camera onto there with your phone, you can actually see the Earth kind of come to life with its different uh, cores of the Earth. Um, And then the right side, we uh, decided to add some uh, science into there uh, with space exploration. So we have all the different planets, and same thing with Augmented Reality. As soon as the camera sticks onto there, you can see the planets come to life.
0: The price points on on, on these what, what do they start at?
4: Uh, well, over here in the U.S., um, our uh, new globe, which we actually just launched, it'll be coming out to the market soon. It's called our Starry Globe. Uh, that is just around thirty nine ninety nine. Um, the mid level, which has the wired pen, uh, that one is seventy nine ninety nine. And then the globe that uh, you guys got to test out that's one twenty nine ninety nine.
0: Tell the listeners a little bit about Oregon Scientific. What you guys are all about.
4: So we've been around for just uh, just about thirty years now. Um, the company has been very well known for our time and weather products uh, we're actually really really popular with the uh, with the weather junkie guys uh, and monitoring weather that's what we've done really well uh, for the you know the years that we've been around here. Uh, we make some really cool projection clocks um, but recently I'd say in the last five years uh, what we call SLP the smart learning products is what we're really um, learning that we're getting into and doing well. Uh, for 2019, we're actually really excited over here as we have a lot of new SLP products coming out.
0: And, and what are those all about?
4: Uh, a lot of them are actually augmented reality. Uh, we're going to be doing different things. Uh, we are also seeing that um, we have the potential and the opportunity to make some really cool uh, learning products that we see now with mixing technology, and uh, kind of offline learning is what we like to call it. So the kids don't really need to be connected to a computer or to the Internet. They can learn wherever they are uh, with our product. So one of the new things we're going to be creating is a robot where you can program the robot on your cell phone. You don't need Internet. Um, you know, you, you do need some kind of device to program it. Uh, augmented reality you can program that robot to move in certain ways and dance in a certain way and do all kinds of different things with the robot uh, while mixing in the augmented reality things like the robot in this uh maybe like um a street or sort of like a neighborhood where the robot's walking around uh, but you're doing the programming from the smart device
0: very cool it's not even learning it's fun like that smart globe uh you know (laughs) <laughs> all, all, uh, all of us at our office uh, when we were setting it up, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, you know, we brought some kids in to, to try it out as well, and uh, uh, it was amazing how fast they took to it.
4: Yeah, we've had a really good reception uh, with our smart globes here. Uh, like you said, uh, fun. When they're learning, it's even bonus. And when you can make both of them work really well, uh, I think you have a really good formula there. Uh, what's really funny, too, is... Uh, when we got these globes in, um, a lot of people were telling us, hey, why don't you guys uh, market this to the adult um, you know, category where this could be a great party kind of drinking game? And, uh, we've kind of made fun of that, but it's not a bad idea either. as That's, that's starting to prove itself to be a very popular segment, too.
0: Yeah. You know, and just for the listeners, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun uh, playing with it, uh, you know, when we're doing our TV segment. So, you know, for all all the adults out uh, there, uh, this is a great gift idea for kids of literally any age. Uh, They're uh, a lot of fun and uh, it's not learning. It is fun. Uh, Where can people find out more information uh, about all your uh, stuff, Henry?
4: Uh, Well, they can head over to our website, oregonscientific.com. We have a web store um, on there if they'd like to purchase directly from us. But we do work with a lot of retail partners, uh, especially with the uh, online space. So uh, as everyone knows, like Amazon, um, eBay also carries our products. Uh, We have them throughout uh, different places. Costco also carries our uh, Globes, too, um, for this big holiday uh, season coming up.
0: That was Henry Winlock of Oregon Scientific. Got to check out some of their smart globes and all the other uh, great uh, tech items that they make. When we come back from the break, it's App of the Week time with Christina. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here in studio. Don't forget to hit our webpage uh, whenever you can. We're always... Uh, putting up great contests uh, there. You can win all sorts of stuff from laptops to drones. It's at getconnectedmedia.com. Link's right to our Facebook page. And you can tell us what you think of uh, some of the tech that we talk about. And if you want to hear something on the show, we would love to hear from you as well. And of course, uh, our contest entry page is there. So uh, check it out. You could win something. Right now, though, I want to switch gears and talk about apps. We've got Christina Stoyanova in studio to talk about the app of the week. Thanks uh, again for coming in.
1: Thanks for having me. What do you got this week? I have an app that will help people save money uh, on eating out.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yes. Um, It's actually, uh, it's not available. Well, it is available here in Vancouver, but there aren't participating restaurants yet. However, keep an eye for them. So this app is called Feedback. And what it does is it allows restaurants to prevent food waste by... Uh, offering food at a discounted price for a limited time um, to customers. So instead of having to throw that food out, if they've prepared something that didn't sell, they can sell it at a discount uh, to customers through this app.
0: Interesting. Is that appealing?
1: I think so because I think a lot of restaurants waste food simply because they couldn't predict Uh, you know, how busy it was going to be that day. So they might've prepared food or ingredients, but then not had the opportunity to use them. So why should that go to waste when there are plenty of customers who are happy to take it off their hands?
0: Are people gonna, I'm just thinking out loud here, are people gonna worry that this might be like old food?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think any restaurant is going to be selling old food because, of course, their reputation is on the line. So it will still be fresh. It just, uh, you know, maybe isn't able to roll over to the next day or to the next shift. So they need to move it out of there. Cool concept.
0: Uh, not uh, not available in Vancouver yet, but uh, coming to many cities near you, I guess.
1: Yes. So it started in Toronto and they are planning on rolling this out throughout the country very quickly. Uh, so I'm interested to see how this goes, especially because it has such a great, um, sustainable function. Instead of, you know, wasting all that food, there's going to be a market for it now.
0: Uh, available for iOS and Android? That's right. And uh, also want to. Give a quick shout out to our uh, other show, the app show that happens Sundays here on the Chorus uh, Radio Network and a number of different stations. Uh, it uh, Here on CKNW at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, it's, it's the app show. If you have a smartphone, tablet, smart TV, you have to tune into this program. We're giving you the lowdown on all the hottest and greatest apps that are out there to make your life a little bit better. So whether you have uh, an Android uh, device or an iOS, iPhone device, we got you covered. So all sorts of tips and tricks, uh, hot fives. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And again, called the App Show. So all the time we have left. I want to thank Christina, my co-host and producer this week. We'll see you again next time.